It's podcast time. Hello, everybody. Hope you're well. When I was younger, one of the most amazing things was Boxing Day. Boxing Day was the big day because all the holiday programmes used to come on television. That was the day. So you were bored and tired after Christmas and you'd, you'd had enough and you were sick of eating turkey, but you knew that Boxing Day was going to be the day of holidays. Holidays then became huge business. We had all the budget airlines, which you couldn't have had years ago. Flying, I've written about in my column, was amazing. It was three-course meal. There was a chef carving. Everything changed. And then people realised. I went to Thailand before all the hen and stag parties went. The world became open. Australia became open. You think of it years ago uh, with Australia, if somebody emigrated to Australia, they were dead to you. You would never see them again. It was a different world. And now one of the biggest industries in the world is um, holiday making, especially after the pandemic. So it's incredible. Now, there's so many things. They've just launched the biggest ship in the world, which I think holds 7,600 passengers, something like that, with 3,000 staff as well. So 10,000 people on a ship. That's how that's changed. Then you had um, all these houses that you could rent, uh, which was great, Airbnb, and things happened. One of the big, biggest industries, the newest industries to me, is glamping. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Because I've got a young lady, uh, she's a friend, but she's also a very successful businesswoman business in her own right. Um, she's an amazing lady, uh, and she's got into the glamping business. So I thought if anyone knows and is anyone going to talk about it, it's got to be Mish. And we'll tell you all about her fabulous place and we'll talk about glamping. Mish, thank you for joining me. Hi, Peter. Thank you for having me. Interesting interview because you must relate to an awful lot of that. Yeah, I do. Um, going back to the days where you know, not as many people travelled. Uh, a lot of them emigrated. That's where they went to see Australia. And now it's open to everybody. Uh, I remember when I was 16, travelling to Asia. And of course, as you know, that's been a pastime um, uh, that I've done on a regular basis for years now. Give us a little potted history of you are of who you of you are. I'm so, I'm so excited because I'm interviewing my friend of who you are, um, business wise. Um, I would say uh, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm somebody that is quite creative, so I tend to come up with these what some people might think of as harebrained ideas, and then see them through to make them a business. Uh, obviously the one that you knew about before the start of the glamping was going to Burma and setting up the basket company, which was recycling pallet strapping, which um, obviously because of the COVID situation uh, and working in Burma, the military situation, we had to close that temporarily, I might add because I would love to go back and set that up one day. Let me stop you there and talk about those. They were sold in Paris, France, uh, Europe. Everyone loved them. They were absolutely amazing. Them. Uh, I saw you sell them at a couple of uh, these um, summer festival uh, places. They were really popular. It was sad about uh, COVID and also the military. Yeah, it was very sad. Um, yes, you're right. We uh, we had 70% of our um, market was abroad and we were selling all over the place to America, uh, even as far back 
to Japan um, and Europe was a big, big part of our turnover. And it was sad because it was set up really to support uh, the artisans, which were farming communities in Burma. Um, my thoughts are with them on a daily basis. And I just hope that the uh, military in um, Burma see sense and allow their country to move forward. Interesting. And that, of course, is another podcast. We're talking about holidays. Tell us, first of all, well, we'll ask about glamping and then ask how you got involved. But first of all, tell us what you know about glamping, because it is a big industry now, isn't it? Yeah, it started off with um, somebody like myself that came up with an idea and they turned an old shepherd's hut that they found into a field and made it into sort of accommodation and they would let it out. And then obviously we had the help of Airbnb, which allowed people to have a platform to be able to showcase their weird and wonderful ideas and there's if you look at the glamping industry now uh, England actually uh, or the UK is now the largest glamping market in Europe and uh, America is still not as big as uh, the UK either now it's we've we're, it's it's sort of been encouraged by the government because it's been encouraged to allow farmers to diversify into uh, not just relying on crop growing or um, breeding uh, cattle. So a lot of farming communities or farmers have diversified and made their land into glamping. Um, there is a process that you have to go through and it's not something that anybody can do. You have to get, either get planning permission or a licence. Um, and that can be done through various yeah. various organisations. Well, we'll leave that side of it. Let me say, before you um, started putting the idea together of glamping, and by the way, ladies and gentlemen, you will hear and we'll give a, a website out. You will not believe what this lady has done. It is breathtakingly beautiful. Did you go around looking at glamping sites before you started? No, um, but I am lucky that I have had the uh, opportunity to travel and I've travelled all over the world. I've stayed in some amazing homes and um, I just looked at it as I have had the most amazing experiences when I've travelled. And one of those things was, could I create something here where people aren't necessarily wanting to travel that far and sit on an aeroplane for hours on end? Um, and then get the same similar experience uh, that I was receiving when I was travelling and bring that here. And one of those things was to switch off, turn off our mobile phones, detox, and also be remember we've got to be kind to the planet. So how can we do that? And I learnt all those sort of things from travelling to remote parts of the world that had no electricity. That's normal for them. So if they can make their daily lives work and all be happy, we can incorporate that into a way of glamping. So that's what, one of the things that I've done. So we don't have any electricity. We're off grid and we try to, pr try to give the people um, a feeling that they're in a, an environment where they're cut off, but not cut off. 
So you're not up the top of a mountain, but you've got your amenities down the road. So that gives a lot of people the opportunity to have a taster without going and doing something and actually finding out they don't enjoy it. Interesting. Now, we're not going to tell you where it is. We'll just say it's on the Wirral because that's also part of the fun. If you want to stay there, then you will eventually find out where it is. And I promise you, it is in an amazing place, but it's accessible. And that's the wonderful thing about it. Now, did you wake up one day and go, I'm going to be a glamper? No. (laughs) Um, No, definitely not. I've always... um... I've always come up with ideas. I would say, like a lot of people, when the lockdown happened, some of us, we lost our jobs. So when you lose your job, you've got to find a way of making some money. Now, I was in a fortunate position that we had some land and my parents had uh, planted trees 40-odd years ago. So we have a, a woodland. And I also had been down there working at the lake, um, trying to preserve uh, an area for for nature to come back. And so that was the start. And then I decided, well, okay, can I get a licence to build a glamping site? So I started to look into it and I went to the glamping show. And then that was it. When lockdown happened, I was there building this with a um, a local a local guy that helped us with all the woodwork, but uh, yeah, that's how we've created it. What did your parents say when you said, uh, "Let me have that piece of land. I want to go and do something with glamping"? I think they were a little worried. They didn't understand the concept. I think they thought I wanted to turn it into a caravan park, but um, now they absolutely love it because they can see and they also get enjoyment of seeing all of our guests getting the enjoyment that they get when they come and stay and being able to enjoy the beauty of the surroundings of where it is and know that they can walk out straight onto the coastal path and breathe fresh air. I've been there. I've stayed there. It took my breath away. I had three days there. It was incredible. Describe when they arrive, what they experience, because it is remarkable. Right. Well, I meet them at the gate because obviously we keep it secret of exactly where it is. And then they drive in. The first thing they see is they see the back of the showman's wagon and then they walk down the path through the woods and then they come into an open glade which you've got fields, open fields on one side, woodland and the lake on the other, and the cabin in the corner. The first thing they say, and most of them say it, is, wow, this is breathtaking. Your pictures don't do it justice, which I think the pictures are fantastic, but, you know, that's somebody else's seeing it through their eyes. Sometimes I probably have to pinch myself because I'm there all the time and I see it every day. I probably am not appreciating it as much as what the clients do when they come. Um, You've got the lake, there's ducks, we've got foxes, we've got badgers, we've got... um, abundance of birds that migrate through uh, through the seasons so we have the Canada geese that fly over 
they can be quite noisy sometimes, but it is a spectacular sight. Again, when you've grown up with it, you're used to it. But to somebody who's never seen that before, they all get excited. We've got very naughty squirrels. They entertain the guests. They sit on the balcony. Um, if they're not careful and leave their food out, they'll take those as well. So, yeah, we've had some fun and games. And, of course, then we've got the hot tub. The hot tub is positioned overlooking the lake on one side and with the open fields to the back. And I would say around about spring when the grass start to grow, um, it looks like meadow and it really is beautiful. The hot tub is uh, wood fired, um, obviously, because we don't have electric and we clean that uh, between every guest. So it's fresh water. We don't use any chemicals. Uh, we've got shower on site, which um, runs on hot water through gas. And we have an open uh, outdoor kitchen, which is undercover. And that we've also got an open fire pit barbecue. So you can dip in and out of the hot tub, sit around the fire and cook your uh, steaks or chicken or vegetarian. Um and then the toilet, well, that's composting. Now, I am aware that would be... Um, alien? A, alien, yes, to, to, some a, to some people. Or some people have been to festivals and had the worst experience of their lives. Uh, but I can honestly say I'm very proud of our toilet. And I'm saying no more than that because it's always a nice surprise just to see our clients' faces. Yep, and I'll reiterate that, and I won't spoil the surprise. The toilet is a surprise. Now, the biggest surprise to me, first of all, I fell in love with the log cabin because I didn't stay in the um, caravan. I stayed in the log cabin with the log fire. The bed was a surprise. Ah, well, I took the inspiration for making the bed from the Scandinavians. And they call them cupboard beds. So it basically is off the ground. You have to step up and you go in through a square hole. And there is a bed. We've got a king-size mattress, um, a good quality mattress, because, it, again, having travelled, I know that if you haven't got a good night's sleep, it won't keep you in a good mood. So we've got a lovely mattress. Um, we provide all bed linen. And... Um, yeah, so that's the cupboard bed. And it's very comfortable. It is. Now, how many days do you do? Uh, we do a minimum of two nights. And most people, or I say everybody that stays the two nights, says it's not long enough and they wish they'd booked longer. But that's why we get a lot of repeat customers because they, they then come the next year for three to four nights. Now, there's Mish, who is the owner and looks after the uh, glamping situation there, which is, she's described it, but honestly, uh, like the guests say, the photographs don't do it justice. It is remarkable and it is near so many places. That's one of the wonderful situations. What she didn't tell you was that it's virtually brand new uh, and she was on the front cover of Times Magazine, the Sunday Times Magazine. You must have been elated. Yes, um, I think anybody would be. I certainly never expected to uh, see, see us on the front cover and also inside. I think we were on another two pages on the inside. Um, 
There's been a lot of photo shoots we've had there. People have used it for their photo shoots for products. Um, and as you know, you've been there yourselves and done some filming there. So, yeah, it lends itself for all sorts um, and for that sort of uh, situation for commercial, we just ask people to get in touch with us directly. But otherwise, all our bookings are done through Airbnb. Right. So there we've got the picture. And where it's situation, situated, there's a pub about 10 minutes walk from there. You're not far from Chester. You're not far from West Kirby. You're not far from Nichols Ice Cream in Park Gate. So you are sort of very, very central, but also... It's very private. Tell us the story about the gypsy caravan because I know in the winter you put it away because it needs protecting, but in the summer it is there and it is remarkable. Where and when did you find that? Well, I've had a fascination with the uh, Romany caravans and I have got a very good friend who restores them. And over the years, he taught me a lot about the uh, gypsy wagons uh, to the point that I drove my parents mad when I was a child because I used to try and build one in the garden. But uh, eventually, I was on the internet and I came across a really strange website and there was this showman's wagon. And uh, it was a very large Burton wagon um, and it's made of wood. It's about two and a half tons. And there was a gentleman in Birmingham who'd done a three year restoration. So I rang him and said I would like to come and visit it. Now, I don't know whether anybody knows anything about wagons. They have four wheels and the wheels nowadays cost an absolute fortune to make. So the first thing for me to check was how good were the wheels? Was this thing going to move? So... Having looked at the wagon, the guy had done a beautiful restoration and it's all hand-painted on the outside and inside. It's got a little queenie stove. We don't actually let the wagon out for um, sleeping in, but we allow our guests to use it to sit and read. And when you see it, you'll understand why. It's got beautiful cut glass um, windows at the front and it's got all the original carvings. So it came from Birmingham and it's a Burton wagon made by a company called Thomas of Gloucester in the 1900s. And I've been led to believe that there's now only five left in existence that people know of. Wow. Why did you put it away in the winter? Uh, because we get gales. I don't want a tree to fall through it. Um, and also to find people to do the paintwork on something like that. Uh, it just preserves the paintwork and preserves the roof. So, yeah, I have to look after it. Absolutely. Now, you run it. What people don't understand is that you are everything. I have seen you in waders in the lake. Uh, you've cut trees down, you've trimmed, you've done a... You really... It is a full-time job, isn't it? It is a full-time job. And I know that a lot of people talk about, oh, we're thinking of going into the glamping industry. I look at them, it's a bit like the catering industry. When people go into the catering industry and they think that it's going to be easy, believe it's not. You're, you're 24-7. 
you're thinking about it, you're breathing it, and you're, yeah, well, I've, you've seen me pushing a lawnmower across the fields to get on site just to do the maintenance of the lawns. And sometimes that could be twice a week in the growing season. Um, yeah, it's got a lot of maintenance uh, that's required on the groundworks, let alone keeping everything uh, spotlessly clean. And that's probably why it won't age, because I'm constantly replenishing anything that might be uh, getting to the end of its life. I replace everything. So that could be the lanterns that are around in the trees and their solar, solar run. Um, every year I have to replace everything. Do you have fish in the lake? We have got five grass-eating carp, and that's a good point, because we do get asked whether people can fish, but I say no, because it's their home, and we like to keep all, we like to just observe the animals rather than um, uh, intrude in their space. And children? Unfortunately, we don't take children. It's not that I don't like children, it's because we have a lake and we feel that um, it would have to be fenced off and that would ruin the beauty of the lake. So we've chosen not to have children. So it's really a couples only site. Um, we take two people. So we're not big in any shape, but what we try to do is deliver a really nice service. Now, I spoke to a couple of people who've been there. Uh, they say the biggest problem with it is it sets the benchmark for other glamping because there's some tacky ones, uh, but there's some beautiful ones. Yes, there's lots, lots of beautiful glamping sites out there. And there's like anything, there's different levels um, you could be staying in a thousand pound a nice tree house um, in the middle of an estate. We don't fit into that category and we don't have electricity. So we're an off grid glamp site. Now, a lot of glamping businesses will show you a picture of the cabin that you're staying in with the hot tub. But what you won't see is that you'll be staying next door to another cabin with another hot tub. Now, we can guarantee that when you come, you will literally have the place to yourself and you don't see us unless you need to call us for an emergency. Now, tell us about the bugs, because we do have to have sprays. I know you supply sprays, but there are... It's We're in the country. Well, that for those city dwellers that aren't <laughs> used, and I've had a few, that aren't used to... Um, spending time in a woodland or in fields or on farmland. They're not used to seeing bugs. Yes, we've had all sorts of, oh, well, there was a cockroach. No, it wasn't a cockroach. It was a woodland bug. Um, yeah, you've got to be prepared that you're going to see bugs. We don't get the bugs in the building. Um, they, like any time of year, you'll get the odd mosquito. We do provide spray, um, sprays around uh, around the site uh, for people to use. Um, but that's not all the time. So it's not a negative in any way. I'm talking to Mish about glamping, which is fascinating. Now, you've had some amazing recommendations from your clients, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah. 
Why did you hesitate then? I'm not going to ask you who they are, but you've had lots of five-star results. Yes. Um, yeah, but again, uh, I've had to work hard to get that. It didn't come easy. And again, it's to the attention to detail. And uh, I have a guest book. The guests write some beautiful comments and a lot of it comes back down to the attention to detail they never expected the attention to detail and the pictures didn't sell it because it's more beautiful and they get the visitor of the ducks i've been with airbnb for a year and i have now i think it is 33 five star reviews so 33 out of 33 is not bad and i'm uh, Proud of myself for achieving that, but it wasn't easy. Of course it wasn't. Now, when you were costing it and putting it together, you had no idea how much the ducks were going to cost. <laughs> no, well, the ducks... The duck food. The duck food. Well, it started off, we had uh, a couple of mallards, wild mallards, and they were on the lake. And then I started to feed them because they had some young chicks. Uh, or baby ducklings and then the baby ducklings would come up they would want feeding and last year I think we had in total 18 ducks it was costing me 19 pounds a week in duck food and we have a little box which we keep the duck food in for our guests to feed them and they will let the guests know when they want feeding because they come right up to the door Uh, and it seems to be that those ducklings will come back next year to be parents for the next brood. So I don't know how many we're going to have this year. Uh, We don't encourage them to be fed on normal food, human food. That's why we we provide the duck food for them. What sort of clients have you had? Have you been surprised? I say all my clients have been lovely. Um, I love meeting my clients. Um, They're really interesting. They've come from all walks of life and they're all... All lovely. And they respect it, which I'm really pleased about. They respect the way they they leave it as they find it. Yes. Um, we have a uh, house rule book. Um, we don't throw the house rule book down everybody's throats, but we do go over everything. So when people check in, I take them around site and show them how everything works and they can see that everything is in working order. Yeah, you might get the odd... Um, something breaks well you know that's understandable Uh, but all our guests have been extremely um, what's the word Um, pleased yeah yes but overwhelmed yeah and also um, they've looked after everything respectful yeah respectful that's the word yeah really respectful looking back now how long have you had it I started it started building it in the lockdown so that was 2000 i then were opened it uh, when we were allowed to open up for travel and so i think i'm probably in my third or fourth year yeah. now looking at it now do you have to pinch yourself knowing that you put it together because you did most of the work uh n- i wouldn't say i pinch myself um because as you know, that's what I do. So I just sort of used to being creative. Um, if somebody gives me a job or a challenge, I like to see it through to the best. Uh, I like being creative. I've 
done lots of creative jobs. I did the fish shop in West Kirby. Yes, you did that out beautifully uh, for Guy Lawrence, uh, your friend. It was amazing the way you designed that. But that design also goes into your glamping. So that's where your tastefulness comes from. Now, tell us about the name and where it came from. The Lazy Bear, I've got a small dog. Her name is Hetty. And I used to call her the Lazy Bear because she'd be lying in the sun, not wanting to go anywhere. So that's where the name came from. It was just one of those things. And then when I started looking at it, uh, so there's a lot of bear themes going on subtly, but you'll spot that as well when you're staying in the cabin. And, of course, if you've travelled to Canada, you'll be aware of the bears. Same in Asia. They've got bears over there as well. So, yeah, that's where the lazy bear came from. from the really? Door. Yeah. Really. And you've, you've got the bear theme, as you say, subtly. So, where can they see photographs? Where can they find out all about it? We've got a website, um, thelazybearhideaway.com. Um, you can go on to that uh, if you like what you see. There's a link on there for booking, which takes you straight the way through to the Airbnb site. And, um, yeah, well, we uh, hope you enjoy it and we look forward to seeing anybody. And what about Instagram? I do quite a bit on Instagram. At the moment, because we're just coming into the new season, we'll start to uh, show more posts. But on a weekly basis, we're posting pictures or every other day. So how would you describe, to round it up, we've talked about glamping. Glamping is becoming the biggest holiday industry right now with Airbnb in this country and around the world. And there are amazing glamping sites. This is unique because it's a one-off in the middle of Wirral and it's beautiful. How would you sum up the holiday for those who are going, really? Uh, and no electricity? Oh, a lake? And for those, I mean, the people have been just are overwhelmed because I've been there when some of the guests have arrived. How would you describe it? Okay, if you've ever wanted to go camping and you've visualised yourself in a wet, damp field and you then have to find something to do. So with the glamping is you're in the outdoors but you've got the comforts of not sleeping on a plastic floor uh, in a tent, you've got the comforts of having a log fire and you've got your campfire, your hot tub. So it's the experience. Oh, and I forgot to mention that we also have a link to the local bike hire and the gentleman from the bike hire company delivers the bikes to the doorstep. So we have a lot of guests that come and stay and actually go and cycle and use the cycle paths because they're all very flat around here. And anyone listening out there from around wherever you live, it isn't too far from Chester, it isn't too far from Liverpool, it's on the Wirral and it's beautiful. Mish, to finish off, once again, how do they find out all about the Lazy Bear? Uh, go on to the Lazy Bear website, it's uh, lazybearhideaway.com. And there you'll be able to see all the images, which will also, if you want to book, click the link which takes you through to the Airbnb booking site. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast. Why not subscribe? 
You know it's free. So join us and tell your friends. It's great going on walks and doing whatever you want to do and then putting P-Price on. We've got a back catalogue of over 100 interviews. Join us. Subscribe. It's free.